When Pastor sent me that email, my first thought was, how do you forget that guy? <laughs> Amen. You can't forget him. And I was so thankful to receive that email and so glad to be here. Um, you have been so gracious to us, so kind. Thank you very much. And uh, I enjoy hot weather, and so keep it hot. Amen. I know you may be praying for fall, but I'm praying for hot. And so I have, I've discovered the older I get, my bones work better when it's hot. And so uh, we'll just keep it that way for a few more days, and then I'll go back to cold, well, colder North Carolina for sure. One of the things we were so looking forward to in coming down to the Miami area, Pembroke Pines, was visiting. I have a brother who's uh, four years older than me, not in good health, in Vero Beach. And so we're going to stop and see him. And my wife had a sister who has lived here in Davie and Pembroke Pines for probably 40 years. And uh, we were looking forward to visiting her. But the last hurricane that you had did her in. And so she decided she was moving back, and she moved about a month ago back to Cincinnati, Ohio. And we're down here, and she's back there now. So they go to great lengths to avoid seeing me. I don't know what it is, but uh, just I'll take a moment. I would invite you, if you have any inclination, uh, we do have a website. It is SharePoint Ministries, just like it sounds, one word, uh, dot com. There's nothing to buy there or any, nothing like that. But I write a little blog and we share our itinerary. We'd love for you to pray for us. We're trying to be uh, an encouragement. We're trying to share experience that we have. And most importantly, we're trying to share Christ. If you think of us, pray for us. There's a few things you might find interested there and, and take a look at that. I love missions. It was the greatest, the most important meeting. It was the most important ministry at Heritage Baptist Church. And so anytime I get to speak on the topic of missions, I'm thrilled. And my hope is that uh, some, something through these three or four days that we'll be together will challenge you and that God will encourage your heart. If you're not a part of the missions program to get involved, start anywhere you want, but start. And if you are involved, my prayer is that God will challenge you to go further and to even increase uh, your giving, your prayer uh, your involvement in the missions program of Bible Baptist Church. It's a great missions program, and I commend you on what you're doing, but I encourage and challenge you, let's do more. Take your Bible, if you would, Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. And I want to speak to you for a few moments on this thought, be the cause. Be the cause. In Romans 10, we'll begin reading in verse 13. They're very familiar verses, but I hope that we can learn something from them this morning. Romans 10 and verse 13. Notice what the Word of God says. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you believe that this morning? I do too. And then verse 14 says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, 
How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these few moments you've given us to be together this morning. I pray that you would use this time in our lives. May it be spiritually profitable to every person in this room today. For those that know you and love you and are involved in your program of missions, challenge them and encourage them to keep going and go further. For those who are contemplating getting involved for perhaps the first time, Lord, I pray that they'd be encouraged to do just that. I pray for those who have heavy hearts and issues and problems in their lives. May your Holy Spirit speak to them and comfort and help them, encourage them. And I pray for those who may not know Christ as their Savior. They've heard about Him, but they do not know Him personally. Would you speak to them today and convince them that their greatest need is to trust you? and that you love them dearly. Work, we pray in this way, in Jesus' name, amen. God's heart is to reach the world. He says it a number of ways. He says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We sang just, a, or heard saying just a few moments ago, oh, the blood. Do you remember when you got saved? One of the most precious moments in every life. But God so loved the world that he wants to reach not just us and not just those whom we love and know. God feels that way about the entire world. He wants everyone in this world to know what we know. And therefore, he's given us the challenge that we are to go into all the world and preach the same gospel that saved us, the same gospel that transformed our lives, the same gospel that changed our heart and changed our lives, every person in this world deserves the opportunity to hear that gospel that has so changed us. Here's how I say it. It is God's heart to reach the world, but it is our job. God has given us the task of taking His Word to the world. What I would often refer to our missions conference as was a missions helps conference. You know, there is a biblical, a spiritual gift of helps. And there are folks who are gifted that way. They are just able to help. They're able to assist. They come alongside and lift the burden. They do the things that encourage and help. And it is a wonderful gift. The upside is it's a tremendous help to people. The downside is that most of the time the people who have the gift of helps are not recognized for their gift. It's a gift that is often done quietly, anonymously. It's a gift that is just given in service and maybe not even noticed. Now I want you to understand that's kind of what our missions conference is. Our missions conference is a time for us to be helpers. Now, I hope that through this conference, someone might sense the call of God on their life and that they might step up and step forward and go to the mission field. But the primary focus of this conference is to engage those who will help. God has called men and women. Raleigh Hill and his wife were here last night 
I, I heard the list that Pastor just read, this gentleman going to Syria. What an incredible need, but they need help. And we are trying to challenge ourselves this day to be those who come alongside and those who will help. Sometime back I was reading an article and as part of that article there was a, a charitable organization, it wasn't a Christian organization, but they were listed and mentioned there. And I read about this organization and I saw the slogan that is their guide. And their slogan was this, be the cause. And then they went on and mentioned what their work and what their burden was and they were encouraging people to be the cause. And boy, it spoke to my heart, and I'm here today to encourage you to be the cause. How does that man get to Syria where there is such a desperate need? We stand back often and we, we deplore the condition of our world, and we think about people who have a different belief system than ours, and sometimes we see it as violent or we see it as extreme. And, and my question to all of us today is this, how do we make that different? Do we stand back and wish it were different? Do we stand back and, and be aggravated at the people who have that belief system? Or do we cause someone to be able to go to that place and preach the gospel and see a life changed and a heart changed and, and then through that a world changed? And what I'm here to challenge us this morning is, let's be the cause, the reason that people are able to go to places like that, the great work that is needed there. And so my question is this, what will cause us to be the cause? Oh, I tr trust me, I will never be a glib enough speaker. I'll never be a dynamic enough guy I'll never be a smart enough guy to come up with a program that will convince everybody we ought to do that. The only tool that I have that can motivate us to do what God wants us to do is His Word. And so what I offer you this morning is not my plan, not my thoughts. Boy, you do not need those. <laughs> but what I hope will motivate all of us today is three simple things that God asks us. Let me give them to you. Here's number one. Do you believe in the power of the gospel? Do you believe, and I asked it already, that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved? I think it's important for us to never get too far from our salvation. I remember when I got saved, I was not raised in a Christian family. I was not raised by parents who were committed to be in church on Sunday and who were committed to do those things. And my brother and I grew up, and uh, we certainly were taken to church on occasions, but, but it was not the customary thing in our house. And we grew up and left our homes unsaved. My parents did exert influence later on us after we were out of the home, and uh, as part of that, my mother gave me a little Bible, just a $2 awards Bible. This was back in 1975. Didn't have any pretty let red letter words, didn't have any notes, didn't have any center column with references. I wouldn't have known what they were anyway. 
But she gave us this Bible, and through a series of events, someone witnessed to me, the custodian of a church witnessed to me, and he had the audacity of cornering me, Pastor, by the water fountain for 40 minutes. And he told me, he told me things like I was a sinner. But he was a real fundamental Baptist. He told me I was a filthy sinner. He told me I was on the way to hell. He told me that I was going to split hell wide open. And, and I want to tell you, as a 23-year-old man, backed against the wall with my, the water fountain, I couldn't get out either way. For 40 minutes, he engaged me, and he convinced me of one thing. He believed I was a sinner. <laughs> Now, I did not bow my head and accept Christ at that moment. I got out of there, and I was under deep conviction. I, was, I, I knew that something was gnawing at my heart, and I thought if I could just get home, I, I'll get home, and my wife will be there, the baby will be there, I'll talk to her and play with the baby, and it'll all go away, it'll be all right. And when I got home, my wife was not there. You know where she was, don't you? Shopping. I went and took the Bible that my mother had given us, took it down off the shelf, and I'm not a proponent of opening our Bibles and just preaching from where it opens, but I promise you that day that Bible opened to Romans chapter 10. And there my mother had taken a ruler and a red ink pen and underlined verses 9 and 10 and 13. And then I saw that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I went over to my sofa and I made my sofa my altar and I kneeled down at that place and I prayed the most deeply theological prayer you've ever heard in your life. I said, God, if you can save somebody like me, will you save me? And he did. And my life has been transformed. My marriage was transformed. The life of our children was transformed. The direction, our path was transformed. Here's what I'm saying to you. The power of the gospel did that. Not my college education, not my career, not my companions. The gospel changed my heart and changed the direction of my life. And God wants to do that, not for just a young man living in Cincinnati, Ohio. He wants to do that all across this globe. And he can change the hardest Muslim heart. He can change the heart of the Hindu. He can change the heart of the animus, the pagan. He can change the heart of any man, any woman, because the power of the gospel and the name of Jesus Christ can change a heart. Now we believe that, but you and I must do more than believe. We must act. There was a day when the Apostle Paul was in the city of Troas, he was there in the city of Troas because God had precluded and prevented him from going to where he had scheduled to go. 
He wanted to go to Bithynia. He wanted to go to Asia. Oh, it was all good. He wanted to go and preach the gospel. But God just kept putting doors in front of him, closed doors. And, and finally, in Troas that night, he bedded and went to sleep, and God gave him a vision. We call it the vision of the Macedonian call or the man from Macedonia. And in this vision, Paul saw a man over in Macedonia, over in the area of Greece. And that man was calling him to him to come over, and, and the point was to come over and preach the gospel to him. Paul woke from that vision, and he knew that it had been from God, and he knew that God was directing him in that way. But understand, sometimes we read the stories of the Bible, and we read the beautiful spiritual side and the exciting side, but we forget the practical side. Paul wakes up with a burden to go to Macedonia, with a burden to go and preach the gospel to that place, but understand it had practical realizations to it. He, he was on this side of the Adriatic Sea and Macedonia was on that side. How do you get across an ocean? How do you get from here to there? He may not know that culture. He may not know that city. He may not be welcome in that place. But I want to tell you, Paul, regardless of the danger and regardless of the inconvenience, regardless of all the issues that could have stood in his way, chose to obey the Lord and the gospel jumped an ocean. It wasn't just about conveniently preaching in the Middle East or conveniently preaching to Jews. He jumped an ocean and may you and I be glad because after that, it jumped another ocean and came here. And we sit here today in many ways a result of a man who woke from a vision and said regardless of the difficulties and regardless of the dangers and regardless of the inconveniences and the sacrifices, I will obey because the power of the gospel can change lives in Jerusalem it can change lives in Antioch. It can change lives in Troas. It can change lives in Philippi and Thessalonica. It can change lives in Rome and Paris and London and even in Washington, D.C. Imagine that. And they need a lot more of it. <laughs> we believe the power of the gospel. And because we believe that, we have choices we have to make. I want you to notice the second question. Notice verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? Do you believe with me that people need to hear the gospel? I know the gospel has the power to change them. But do you believe that they need to hear the gospel? The simple truth is that the method that God has chosen to use to get his gospel to those places is for churches like this one, churches like the one that I am a member of, is to send those who are called to preach that gospel to them. It is to get them to that place. You and I need to get a hold of this fact that we are to be the cause that others go and are able to preach. Tonight, in our message tonight, I trust you'll be here, one of the exciting things that we're going to see 
is that we are doing in 2018 at Bible Baptist Church exactly what was done in the church at Jerusalem in the first century, the church at Antioch. It's exciting to be a part of what God started and what God is continuing to go to do. Now listen, I understand that our world is a hurting, hurting world. Our world is hurting from disease. Our world is hurting from hunger, from illiteracy, from exploitation. There are a thousand malignant forces hurting our world. But I want you to know the greatest need in our world is the gospel of Jesus Christ. A man walked up to me when I was preaching this message one time, and he said, Preacher, can I ask you respectfully a question? And I said, of course. And he said to me, how do hungry people eat a Bible? Now, I didn't appreciate that question, but it's a good question. And it may not have a satisfying answer, but here is the answer. Only the gospel changes a heart. And when the gospel changes a heart, and that heart witnesses to another heart, eventually a village can be changed. And eventually a culture can be changed. And a nation can be changed. I'm glad for every hungry belly that gets filled. I'm glad for every well that gets dug. I am glad for every farm that gets fixed and, and, and is helped. But I'm telling you that in our churches, our primary focus must be the planting of churches to preach the gospel because if they do not hear the gospel, they cannot be saved. And my friend, our focus cannot be to only lighten the load for a life while they live on this earth. Our goal must be to both lighten the load as they live on this earth, but to prepare them for eternity. And so our focus has to be preaching the gospel, establishing preaching stations, establishing places where the gospel is preached so that people can be reached with the truth of the word of God. They must hear the gospel. We assent to that, but are we active in trying to make it happen? Are we active? Are we sacrificial about trying to make it happen? I'm so glad for the church custodian who stayed after he was off because he knew I was going to stop by that church. I'm so glad that his concern was not his comfort, was not his time off. I'm so concerned that his concern was my soul. Because he knew I needed to be confronted with the truth of the gospel. And I stand here today, many, many years later, preaching the gospel because a man knew I needed to hear what the Bible had for me. Are we the cause that people will be able to hear? I think of Brother Haddad, I think his name was, going to Syria. Pray tell me, what greater opportunity could there be to impact our world than a man to go in that civil war-torn country? 
where incredible hurting was going on. Hazarding his own life to go there and preach the gospel. But how will he go if we don't send him? I offer you a third question leading into it. Do you believe that God wants to enable others to go? Do you believe that we sit in this room today in an important meeting? We've acknowledged that the power of the gospel can save a man's soul. We've acknowledged that unless they hear, they cannot hear. Which brings us to that third question, how can they hear if they're not sent? And we face today one of the most important questions that any believer can ever face. Will I be the cause that someone can go? You can fill the blank in as to who it is that goes and even where it is they go. But our question is, will I be the cause that they are able to go? There was a day when David, as a young man, was called by his father Jesse to prepare some victuals, some things to take to his brothers who were in the army of Israel and they were up overlooking the valley of Elah, and the army of Israel was arrayed on this side, and the army of the Philistines were arrayed on that side, and uh, there hadn't been a battle yet. They just all looked down into the valley of Elah, because every morning in that valley, a nine-foot giant would walk down with his armor-bearer, and there in that valley, looking up into the hills where Israel's army was, he would curse our God. He would blaspheme Jehovah God. He would mock Israel and mock their obedience to a God who could not make them strong enough to defeat him in battle. And every day they were there and they would cower behind the parapets of their ditches and their trenches and they would look and they would wish that somebody would go. They wish that somebody would shut that giant up. They wish that somebody would defend their God and defend his honor. But every day the same result. They looked, they heard, they wished, but nobody David arrived. He was just a stripling of a boy. Wasn't old enough to be in the army. Wasn't big enough to be a soldier. He evidenced that. He tried on Saul's armor and it was so big he couldn't possibly wear it. But he came to that place that day and he stood where his brothers stood and the armies of Israel stood and he saw that giant walk out into that valley and he heard those blasphemous profane words about his God and it stirred his soul. And that day he stood up on that parapet when thousands of men bigger than him, stronger than him, richer than him, more trained than him, looked at him as he stood up there and he simply uttered these words, Is there not a cause? Let me interpret that for you. What he was saying is, how can we stand behind these trenches when our God is being blasphemed, when there is such a great need, when, when someone needs to answer this and someone needs to care about this? How can we stay crouched behind these parapets 
And not only did he express it, he did something about it. When everyone told him he couldn't do it, when everyone told him it couldn't be done, he trusted his God and he went and took his slingshot. Have you ever tried to shoot a slingshot? I hit me, not what I'm aiming at. And five smooth stones and trusting only his God. He had no skill he could trust in. He had no abundance he could trust in. Five stones and a slingshot, trusting his God, he walked down into that valley and brought that giant down. Not because of himself, but because God blessed what he did. Now I'm done. Almost. You and I stand and we look out at a world that is so hurting and we curse the darkness, but we don't light a candle. We wish that some we, somebody would go. We wish that something would change it. We wish that somehow it were different. But we sit back saying, I can't. I, I don't have the means. I, I can't go. I can't do it. And, and here's what I'm here to say. With God as our help, we can be the cause. We can be the reason that this man can go to Syria and preach the gospel. We can trust God. We can sacrifice. We can be the cause. We can be the cause that the hills can get to Argentina. We can be the cause because we can give. Now listen, I could name names today and I already have. I, I could talk about Adoniram Judson who won thousands in Burma to Christ. I could talk of William Carey who won thousands to Christ in India. I could talk of Moffat who won thousands in Africa who had a daughter that married a man named David Livingston who won thousands or maybe hundreds of thousands in the darkest of, of Africa when no one else was there preaching the gospel. I could name you name after name after name and we, we love hearing those names and we appreciate those testimonies. But please understand this, behind Judson and behind Carey and behind Moffat and behind Livingston are thousands of names you will never know until you get to heaven. And those that held the ropes and sacrificed the latte and did without the vacation and trusted God to give more because there was a cause, because there was a need who sat in an auditorium like this auditorium and said, I, I can give. I can give. I will be the cause that that man can get to Syria. Hey, how about this? Who can pray? I will be the cause that when that family gets to Syria, I will pray down God's protection upon them. I will pray God to give them open doors. I will pray God to make them effectual. I will pray God to empower them. I'll pray that God enables them. I can do that. 
the question is, will we choose to? Be the cause with this undone. We have become a spectator generation. So many, and I don't want to be too critical, but so many go to churches that have an hour a week and they watch and they take it in and they go home. That's not our church. This church says, hey, there's a need and we've got to be the cause that that need is met. And it's from us. You say, preacher, do you know who you're preaching to? We're not the richest. We're not the wealthiest. No, you're just the riches in God's grace. And you're the people that have God all over them. And you're the people that God can bless. You're the people that God can shower his grace on. You're the people with whom all things are possible because of God. Yes, I do know who I'm talking to. And God never used the rich of the world. God never used the smart, wise ones of the world. He always used us to change a heart, to change a world. Be the cause. Would you pray with me? Father, we come to you this morning thanking you for these few moments you've given us. And Lord, I pray in this invitation time that you would touch our hearts. Lord, there may be one here this morning who doesn't know Christ as their Savior. There may be one here this morning that though they know a lot about the Lord and the Bible, they've never had that moment like I had in my life where confronted about their need, they admitted they were a sinner and confronted with the truth of your love for them, they trusted you to be their Savior. They could do that today. There are folks here that could help them understand. And if they would but come, they could be saved. But Lord, more than that, there are those here today that do love you and know you. And Lord, we need to be challenged to go further in our faith for you. I pray three things. Number one, I pray that those who are here that are giving to missions would spend some time either in their seat or at the altar asking you, are they giving what you want them to give or do you want them to increase? I pray secondly for those who have never taken the step to be involved in a faith promise offering, that God, you would encourage them. Help them to see that it's your heart that the world be one and they can be part of that. They can be the cause that somebody goes and encourage them to start with this conference. And then I pray, Lord, for those who maybe you're stirring their heart. They know a place in this world that needs you. They're burdened for it. And Lord, it's you stirring their hearts. You want them to go there. I pray that they would at least offer themselves, their lives, to go where you want. So Lord, work. I pray that none of us would just dismiss you or dismiss our responsibility, but we would consider it well. Use this invitation to speak to us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.